seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 177 of Color of Magic, your Magic Gaming Podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 177 episodes, still got my main man trying to live large down in Texas as best he can. Brian Allen, how's it going, dude? <laughs> Try it anyway. <laughs> I uh, just got my booster, so I'm li- trying to live healthy, if nothing else. <laughs> First, we want to get the healthy, then we'll work on large. That is that is fair. That is fair. I, I made the mistake when I got my last one, but I got three shots all at the same time. I had a, I had a couple of friends do that, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not that. Seemed like uh, that could go badly. So. Yeah, I got... COVID, I think uh, tetanus was outdated, and I got a flu shot, and I think I got them all at the same time. Fortunately, it didn't affect me that bad till the very end of the day. I started feeling a little bit lethargic, so I just went to bed early. But, man, I, it was still one of those things that I just felt a little off that I'm like, yeah, I probably should have done all three. I, I, I mean, I, I've had many people suggest tetanus. I guess I should, but when you yeah. get Every time they describe it to me, it's like, hey, you know, you know, if you ever work around metal, and I'm like, oh, God, no, not if I can <laughs> help it. Nah, I just got it because it wasn't a cost to it. Like, the, yeah. I think I mentioned it before. I just asked the doctor, like, is it cool if I just do all three, three at once? And literally, the doctor said, eh, yeah, you should be fine. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> not, a, that, that's right? not a sign of endorsement. Like, no, like, a... <laughs> it was like the weird hesitation. And then like. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be fine. Like, wait, yeah. wait what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I should be fine. Like, wait a minute. What does that mean? Yeah. I feel reasonably confident you won't die. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of what that sounded like. I was like, what? But yeah, I, I hope it does not affect you too badly. Oh. I'm I, so far, obviously, the, the arm is a lot more sore than the last couple of times. But other than that, so far, I'm okay. Yeah, the only thing I can tell people is when that happens is like what I did is while I was sitting on the computer, I would just be, for lack of a better term, just rubbing it, kind of playing with it a little bit, like moving my shoulder, even if it's just like a half little like chicken wing sort of movement just to keep it the muscle going. And that made it so much less sore the next day. Like it's it's a little bit of annoyance. I have to like keep thinking about it. But man, the amount of pain it saves you the next day is huge. But before we get into the meat of everything today. We're going to tell you to go check out our show sponsor, Cardsphere.com. The great people over there are just awesome. And you can literally name your price for cards you want to buy and sell. You can track your collection on there. You can do all kinds of things. It's a great site with great people. You should go check them out over at Cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show directly, we have a couple of options. You can go over to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic. And you can get a shout out on here just like Scott Ware. Thank you so much, Scott, for being a member. And you can go to colorofmtg.com slash shop if you want to pick up some merchandise. But that brings us to some very interesting stuff this week. And we're going to start, as always, with the soapbox. Now, I have to admit, we kind of have the rabble-rousing crowd as a meme on the soapbox. But sometimes you get stuff like this week where this really did get people up a little bit. But it turns out. Deservedly so. Yeah. The dude that created Dilbert 
the comic strip about corporate America or whatever that you probably know for the last hell. I think it's been doing it for like 40 years or something. I guess if you're under the age of 30, you may not know. <laughs> Perfectly honest. That's probably true because if you didn't see it in a newspaper, I mean, unless you yeah, it's were all saw it like on display at Barnes and Noble or something, you probably wouldn't know it exists. Yeah. But yeah, the guy's name is Scott Adams, I believe. And no other way to put it other than he just went full racist on social media. Like, recorded a video and went off with his whole chest. And it was a little bit like, okay, first off, I didn't know about this dude's somewhat recent history. Yeah, he's been he's been trending this way for sadly at least for the past eight to ten years, I think. Yeah, because I'd seen like one or two like Dilbert things here or there that had some type of undertones, but you're kind of like, ah, he's sort of making jokes about corporate things, so like, you know, affirmative action jokes or whatever. Yeah, all right, cool, I get it. But then people started pointing out some other like deeper ones he had, and some ones that were like way more on the nose, and I'm like, wow, they actually printed that. And then you start finding out he's been retweeting like right wing conspiracy stuff or like agreeing with racist statements from people. And you're just like, whoa, like this dude's kind of been in the trenches for a little minute. <laughs> and then. OK, so first off, he start and I bring this up because if you if you're in our age range, like you grew up with Dilbert just being in the comic strips or whatever, yeah. like this, this dude was just part of like your regular life. But he starts out, first statement is basically talking about blacks and white people. So that already told you the tone for the whole thing that was coming. The right? blacks. Yeah, like you knew from like in the first 10 seconds, you're like, oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, as soon as it starts, like, like, did this man about to end his own whole career? Yeah, exactly. Dudes were like, you you got to watch this. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, let me grab a drink. He's going in. Right. This is going to be rough. But not just that. He go like, okay. Also, he 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 tries to use Don Lemon as a defense, which is the typical racist tactic of like, yeah. well, this this black person said this thing, so it's okay for me to say this thing. The problem is he takes it way out of context because Don Lemon was, if I remember the thing he's referencing, Don Lemon was talking about the things he saw and dealt with growing up in a poor ghetto, effectively. You know, like these are the things he had to overcome or whatever. And he felt like it was an achievement to get a job where he was famous, had money and moved to a nice neighborhood. And it just so happens a lot of black people have not had the opportunity to move into the nice neighborhoods that he's been able to move into. And by right. the way, it was, you know, bad time to quote Don Lemon because Don Lemon is trying to take a picture, like yep. to set his whole career on fire. So <laughs> Scott Adams timing, which is off. Mm-hmm. Lemon is not in the best standing right now. No. But Scott Adams tried to put it as well. In his, in his words, White people need to stop helping black people because nothing good is going to come of it. Just like, bro, what? And not just stop helping them, but, but get all the white people. He did like a reverse of what Jago said at the end of the movie. He said all the white people should get away from all the black people. Yeah, said that in those words. You should actively be trying to get away from black people. And then has the nerve to fade shock when every newspaper that still carries his comic strip is like, yeah, we out. 
the wild thing is, he was like, and they're just going to label me a racist and blah, blah, like, <laughs> bro, you're, you've literally checked all the racist boxes. Have you not heard yourself for the last three minutes? It's like you just, yeah, everything, just all bam, bam, bam. Dude, now that saying he was happy to be in a neighborhood with very few black people. How can anybody <laughs> construe that as anything other than the racism? Yeah, I'm just like, bro, I don't even know. Like, literally, I'm watching this going like, I don't even know how. Like, this and of all the those... people, who, some other comedian who does some other type of humor might be able This is a man who literally is rich because he lampoons the way corporate America and corporate culture works. There's no logical way he could have expected any other reaction. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Like, I literally watched that and thought, like, this is one of those point of no return things. Right? Right. Like, he knows. And it's weird, too, because if you watch, and this is the thing, because, and I don't know how to describe this to people who, I'm trying, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to word this as, like, judiciously as I can. But for people that don't have to experience racism or, any type of ism for that matter on a regular basis. Like you probably don't understand how to interpret people's delivery of words. And there's something about when watching Adams give this speech in this video that comes off very unnerving because he's saying it as though he's expecting a bunch of people to like rubber stamp and certify his words. And in fairness, a bunch of people did, but they're all white supremacists. Yeah, they, but they, he's just saying it with like this matter of fact, like not even that. It's almost like suggestive, like, you know how you deliver something to your friend, but you use the inflection of like, you know what I mean? But without saying those words, like that's sort of how it comes off. And it was just like, dude, like this dude, he's all in on this. Like he genuinely believes this. Because there's sometimes you can tell some people are just saying it and they're just pandering or whatever. Yeah. But listen to this. I'm like, I, I think he's seriously in on this. Like that, that was like, whoa, okay. This is who we are now. So yeah, that, that was a wild one, dude. Like I, I don't, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I mean, like seriously, I just went, all right. I wonder I if legitimately he's somebody, you know, because again, newspaper industry, we, we all we all know how well that's going. I'm wondering if somebody maybe tipped him off like, hey, there, there, there are going to be some budget cuts. Uh, Dilbert's going to take a hit in, let's say, five, six hundred newspapers. He tried to get ahead of it, just say, you know what? You can't destroy my career. I'm going to destroy my career. And then just start on this different job on Fox News, maybe. Because you know, again, somebody who knows how corporate culture works, there's no, there's no way he didn't know that immediately every newspaper chain in the world would run the opposite direction. You know what though? I I could give you the nod on that because I could see that being believable. That maybe the conversation behind closed doors were like, hey, some number of these papers are thinking about cutting you, whatever, and then maybe somebody in the middle said like. And, you know, some of the stuff you've been posting or social, whatever, they're looking at it as being racist and they're going to use that as a reason to get rid of you or whatever. And he was just like, all right, I'll show them. You know what I mean? Like, and then just went off. 
Yeah, I mean, he may be auditioning for, you know, Fox News, uh, One America, insert, or at, at minimum, I'm sure he'll, you know, open a, a right-wing YouTube channel and rail against cancel culture. That's going to be I mean, he could, do, sure. he could do comic strips and sketches for DeSantis campaign in a year. Earth, yeah, also a thing. <laughs> yeah, but this, this is wild, dude. To see somebody of that stature with that history, that background, just be so matter-of-fact about it. Or, you know, maybe, maybe he launches a comic strip in some of those, shall we say, alternative publications. Maybe. You know, I, I will say this, too. Several of the newspapers acted very quickly. Yeah. Because when I was trying to be like, I was trying to do the deep dive. I'm like, hey, how long has he been like this? Like, I found multiple stories. Like, the whole first page of Google was like, yeah, he's this been... paper comes out, says they're dropping them. This network of people dropping them. This, you know, newspaper group, blah, blah, like. So it, that traveled fast. He's well, I mean, he's been at this for a minute. So again, it wouldn't surprise me to learn a bunch of people were saying, you know what? Next time his contract is up, we're we out. That that had to be it. And, and maybe like, he dude. just tried to get ahead of the curve and then look like it looked like he did it himself. I guess. I wow, just I'm telling y'all now. Or maybe, you know, maybe like Roseanne alleged, maybe he took some Ambien and just went crazy, started saying a bunch of racist stuff. Maybe. I mean, who knows? I I will say it's worth worth watching. It's worth dissecting so you understand kind of how those messages are delivered and where they come from. But be warned. There's very, like, if you are triggered by any of that type of speech, it's very blatant. Yeah, <laughs> like he said, there, there's no assumptions. There's no innuendo. <laughs> like he said, every quiet part out loud. Yeah, and that's the thing that got me. I, I kept waiting for like, okay, and this is related to, or this is the assumption we're making. Why, right? And there was none of that. It was just, I'm just telling you how I feel about this, and this is how it is. Yeah, he just, and he and then we got to the part about it, and they're gonna label me a racist or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, you have <laughs> done it. You, you went in, but you know what? I will. I will say this. I, I only moderate related talking about you know black people in white neighborhoods. I I had almost had the confrontation with the police officer last week in my oh, own boy. neighborhood because like uh it's kind of hard to describe but the the way my i have to turn up my street is i come up this hill and take a right but there was a police cruiser like an suv like parked right there at the turn right so i slowed down and almost came to a stop cuz i'm like oh i couldn't tell if he was moving or not cuz he was still in the car right so i'm like oh well, i'm just going to let this dude get into traffic so i can turn in onto my street but then he's just sitting there i'm just sitting there and i'm like well I'm I kind of look and like, should I go? And, and he like angrily like kind of stretches out of his his window and just like flags me or whatever. And I'm like, bruh, like you were right there at my turn. What do you want me to do? Right. So I turn and then he kind of gets out like he's watching me and then sees I pull into my driveway, you know, that's like four or five houses down. And I kind of go about my business for a second, but I'm like slow rolling to see how much he's watching me. Right. And I think once he realized, like I actually live there, there wasn't like crap he could do. So he just kind of went on about his business, but call a friend to complain. Like, you know, there's Negroes. And yeah, exactly. Neighborhood now. But the cool part is 
That's literally the first time I've had an issue in my neighborhood. Like my neighbors are cool. Yeah, as Yeah, that's good. Yeah, my neighbors are awesome. Like they gave me the four one one on everything. If we ever need to borrow anything, you know, they like they've been super cool. Like I've had no issues with any of my neighbors. I I think there's one that might kind of have a problem, but I never see her anyway. So whatever. <laughs> but yeah, man, crazy stuff. But anyway, let's talk about some nicer things. Because I think we have some interesting stuff to talk about this week. This was this was a nice week for news. <laughs> so what you got, Brian? Uh, as I alluded to a little bit last week, uh, Rumbleverse did end up getting nominated for Fighting Game of the Year at the Dice Awards. You're kind of a big deal in the video game industry, and yeah, they, but is that doesn't you know stop your game from getting canceled inside the cancel until they had. I thankful. Well, I don't want to say thankfully, but I mean it did not end up winning. I wonder if you know they just kind of in in the voting process said, "Hey, you know this game isn't going to exist anymore by the time we hand this award out. Maybe we should pick somebody else." Or how I, I know that they're like especially with Emmys, Oscars, I've seen or or it's more with with Emmys, you know, where I've seen people win a win a bunch of Emmys and then find out that oh, by the way, the show is canceled. Also seen where, you know, some actor will win an Emmy for their role. And, oh, by the way, the show has decided to let them go or not pick up their contract. So it had really that kind of feeling where everybody, the critics and fans alike, seem to acknowledge that they did incredible, not just incredible work, but, you know, one of the best four or five fighting games that came out last year. And sorry, it's gone. Didn't make any money. Yeah, that is tough. Making things even weirder, the uh, game that ended up winning, Multiverse, is apparently it's possibly in trouble because uh, you may have seen some of the articles. Apparently, it's the, I guess the only place they can really track player numbers is on Steam, and its player count on Steam has gone down. Where I think there's less than a thousand people on Steam playing it now. Of course, it's also it's on pretty much every console, and we really don't get you know console numbers in the same way Steam tells you everything, so we don't really know exactly how many people are playing it on console, but it's probably fair to assume if it's struggling on steam, it's probably also struggling on, uh, on video game consoles. But, and both of these, the thing that both these games have in common other than being fighting is that they are both free to play. So now it's become kind of a referendum on, you know, free to play. Can it work? And it's like, well, clearly, you know, games such as Fortnite league of legends. show yeah, that it can work, but it's not easy to be certain. Yeah, I think though something. Well, one that thing that helps League of Legends is it's been around for a while. It came out at a time where there wasn't a lot of options. Yeah, you know, it's hell. What is League of Legends like? Their twelfth year or something? Probably. Yeah, it's been around a long time. And Fortnite, and I guess to some extent with like PUBG or whatever. Like, I remember when those came out pre-COVID. Because I remember seeing a demo for PUBG, I think it was, at uh, the the big Seattle PAX in Seattle. And they were kind of setting... They they, they ended up being the standard bearers for that style of game. You know, for the, the arena combat yeah. type thing. So that sort of makes sense to me. But I think the problem is when we start talking about free-to-play, it's like the main thing you are giving up or selling to people, I guess, is users, right? You have a lot of people to play with. You, there's going to be cool, interesting games, like a chance to use all the cool DLC stuff or whatever. But 
you got to have bodies. And, and if, crazy thing in Rumbleverse, every time I played, because you know, when it first came out, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. It was, I don't think I ever had to wait more than a minute or two minutes for a match. And heck, they're like, you could contrast it to say Overwatch, where right before Overwatch 2 came out, it was not uncommon to have to wait for 20 minutes, especially if you're trying to queue as DPS. So it seemed like the players were there, but I guess the difference being everybody that was playing Overwatch had probably paid them at least 30 or $40 for it by that point. But, you know, sometimes you have situations like like Teamfight Tactics is an example for me that I play. By a lot of measures, that game would be considered a failure for a lot of companies. You know, but for the number True. of users and everything else. But it happens to be almost the way I'm viewing it from, you know, reading between the lines. I'm obviously not at Riot, but it sounds like they use that to in some ways train a lot of people or things and artists and whatever for stuff for their other games. Also, it's kind of just like almost like a mini game or a separate. I mean, I think they basically yeah. treat it as a separate game mode inside League of Legends. Yeah. And it does get the benefit of that, right? Because if you get any artwork or any 3D renders or whatever, they can work for multiple games. So even though they don't have a ton of players and a bunch of people streaming it or whatever, like it gets to be just popular enough that it can stay on people's radars and generate some amount of money for the company. And then but, for, you know, for mm-hmm. its uh, admittedly, you know, kind of niche genre, it is the standard bearer in the auto chess, uh, yeah. auto chess arena. <laughs> for, as you said, like for however many players and however much money that gets you, they are the... Yeah, which kind of tells you that genre is not super popular, right? You have to have <laughs> a very big license to be able to carry that. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that's the issue, right? When we talk about free-to-play is cool and it's nice for us because obviously we don't have to invest in it or anything if you don't want to. But on some level, it's like if there's a bunch of other quality games that are also free-to-play, especially if there's a lot in your space in that type of game, what are people's incentive to play yours over the other one? You know, And that's sad because I everything I saw about Rumbleverse looks fun. But at the same time, I kind of was like, yeah, I don't know how much time I'd want to invest in that if I downloaded it, you know? And I feel like, as much as we don't want to admit this, but, like, when we pay for a game, we feel more obligated to play it. That That is also true. Right? Like, ah, oh, I went and spent 40, 50, 60 bucks on this thing. I got to get some time in on it. I can't just, like, I can't buy this other game or play this other one. I got this just sitting right here that I spent right. good money on, right? That drives a lot of people. So I, I definitely all the, the, there's one situation in which I didn't do that. Uh, Rainbow Six uh, Extraction, the kind of spinoff where you fight, you know, a, or aliens instead of terrorists. I downloaded that, and it just so happened that I, I like the, the night I downloaded it was going to start taping it to possibly start creating content. I tested positive for COVID, and just I never been able to play it since. Because every time I think about it, I think of <laughs> I think of COVID and I think of feeling like garbage. That that's fair though, dude. Like I mean, you you were physically unable to play it. Like, yeah, that's a but I mean, even now that I'm perfectly healthy, I just can't bring myself to play it because it just in my head it makes me think of COVID nineteen and it's no nothing. You know, for what I've heard, it's not even you know it's a reasonably fun game to play. It's just it gives me bad you know mental triggers to, for lack of a better term. You might have just done me a favor there, bringing up medical stuff, because that's what we call a segue into what I learned this week. Okay. That insulin maker Eli Lilly, which is a fairly prominent company in that space, if you don't know, 
they have announced that they're going to cap insulin prices at $35 a month. Like, that's gigantic. Hallelujah. Yeah. Like, you're talking about a lot of people are paying three times that. You know, like, and they've said because of that, there's already talk that the other companies may also be bringing their prices down because, you know, you're just going to lose 90% plus of your market share. Exactly. Because you you ain't going to be able to charge three times to somebody else's. Yeah. Charging 35. Oh, even if you come down to 200, it's like, well, that's still six, seven times more than the other guys. Like, why right. Why are they going to pay that, right? So, yeah. And then, and I did do a quick deep dive on it, and it because there was concern of like, well, is this only cheap with insurance or is this regular? This supposedly is going to be available to everybody. They even have a thing you can download on their website and print out if you want to take it to your doctor or pharmacist or whatever to make sure you get the Eli Lilly brand and only have to pay the $35 price. And I feel like on some extent, this is being brought about because of Mark Cuban stuff with cost plus drugs that we've seen, you know, with Amazon pharmacy, like now that you're starting to see the market get driven down so much, I think finally in the U S people are getting where they don't have to pay an arm and a leg to get, you know, these $5 produced pills that they're selling for $50 each or whatever. Like, this is awesome. I, That's this what is I think it's going to take, you know, since we just can't get, universal health care just people are gonna have to go in there and people inside the space are gonna have to innovate and figure out how to bring prices down and like you said once you know once one person does it everybody else kind of has to fall in line yep and i and i you know for as much as we say like eat the rich and hate the billionaires whatever i feel like this only happened because of a couple billionaires yeah like it literally took them going like you know what we can make at least a little bit of money off of this, but we could help a lot of people. Yeah. Like, and credit to them. It, yeah. It's working. People are using it. I've heard of people using multiple of these services and having no problems, even without insurance, which is great. Like, I think people kind of tend to view Mark Cuban as, you know, if there is such a thing as a good billionaire, I think he has that kind of public image. That is fair. Like he will stand up for his family, for his teammates, for for I mean, well, for his his players, not his teammates, but he's generally a pretty positive dude from what I've seen. And I mean, just you know, as we see from Shark Tank, you know, he is willing. If if you want to listen to his knowledge, he is perfectly happy to share it with you, which is not something a lot of business people and you understand why. Like, why would you potentially train somebody to one day put you out of business? Oh, yeah. He seems to he, he really seems the passionate about giving back and kind of helping other people provide it, especially if they already have a good idea and they just need somebody somebody with some money to believe in them, which is what happens to so many people where you have a brilliant idea, but you don't have access to a factory or marketing or, or you don't know how to patent things. I mean, you, it's a situation where you need some help and he's somebody that has always seen... Now, I say this and next week, he may get accused of something horrible, but... You know what? I feel like Cuban is one of those ones I feel safe about. Like, cause, See, now, now you've thrown the jigs. No, no, he still might screw up, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, he's done enough of, like, getting in people's faces, defending people to the right folks. Like, he stood up to politicians. He stood up to, hell, the NBA commissioners. Like, oh, yeah. whatever, right? And, like, if he's already willing to do all that and get on the bad sides of all those people with money already and nobody's dug up dirt, unless he screws up royally from here, he's probably all right. <laughs> yeah. 
because there's already been enough motivation for people to find something to rake them oh, over absolutely. About, and they haven't yet. Yeah. But I feel like on some level, he also knows that. So right. he's probably also working to keep his nose clean a little bit, too. That's Well, we talk about you, you really got to. If you have even just... And we're obviously nowhere near as rich or famous as he is, but even we look around like, hey, you know, we, what, what little we have, we're, we're trying to protect it. We're making sure, like, hey, you know, you are not... You're not... Hopefully not going to have any pictures of us Dude, being I, wild. I, I, I'll you tell know? you this. Back when I was still in Texas, and we can talk about this off there, because this was a friend you know, but I was hanging out at a friend's place, and, you know, he decided he wanted to smoke up a little bit. Of, I didn't really care. But then he wanted to invite some people over. And I was like, cool, I'm out, right? And he was like, no, nah, it's no big deal. They're cool. I was like, look, I know you and I trust you. I don't know these other dudes. And if you're going to have any illegal stuff, like yeah. I can't be around because if they screw up, yeah. I don't need that showing up of me just even being here. Because because we're <laughs> talking about like probably what nineties, you know, it's not like it is now where weed is just. No, nah, I would say it, that was probably when was that? It, it was it was early two thousand, like two thousand five ish, two thousand six, something like that, maybe. Even even from you know that's what. It, even in the past 16, 17 years since that, there's been just a sea change in the way people view marijuana. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, like now, I had to I had to be drug tested every two, you know, you first of all to even get in the building at the at the Shreveport Times. I had to be drug tested. And had I ever flunked one of those bad boys, they'd have fired me and they wouldn't have stood by anything i would they'd have done like a <laughs> they'd have scrubbed my content. Like I did it just if I had test potters for weed. <laughs> oh, dude, up here, unless you do like a medical job or some type of machine shop thing where you got to have operate heavy machinery, yeah. don't nobody test nothing up here. It, see, and that's, <laughs> uh, and I, again, I'm not saying, you know, that, hey, all journalists need to smoke up because I still think probably, let's say you work at the new, but I mean, I say that there's people now that cover weeds like as their full-time job. And at yeah. that point, don't you at least have to smoke one or two blunts? You know what you're talking about? I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. But my, my point, though, was just that I had to explain to him, like, this isn't about me, like, knowing anything about your friends or fearing yeah. anything. Whatever. This is just I have to protect myself because I have a business, I have charities mm -hmm. I was working with, you know, whatever. Like, I just can't, I don't even want my name to show up on a police report as being a witness to anything. Right. To like being in the presence of y'all, if something, y'all get into a fist fight or one of them does something stupid or call somebody over, like whatever. Right. We've both talked about how if we had somebody had to call our mom to bail us out, we'd probably still be in jail because we either just wouldn't do it or they might not come bail us out if it's anything drug related. Dude, no lie. And I'll have to tell the story sometime. But I I did end up mostly because a cop was just flexing too hard on us being out after curfew, but ended up taking us to the police station and was like asking us home phone number. And I was like, I'll just sit it out. I literally just told him I ain't calling home. <laughs> like, right. I'll be damned. Like I would rather just sit in your night and just tell parents, like, oh, I stayed at so and so's house or I spent right. the night somewhere, whatever, than just call and get my butt beat going home. Like, uh, mm -mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. and how old were you at that point? Oh, I was, I was like sixteen. Be... And so, <laughs> so yeah, butt whoopings were still, and yes, we, 
at, at that point, we're a foot taller than our mom, but we still ain't. Yep, we, I was we, like, we take the whooping. Not even calling. We don't have we don't have girls to resist the whooping. Dude, it was not even a question. And the dude just looked at me like dumbfounded. Like you could tell he'd not get it. I was like, nope. I I even told him, I was like, I'd just rather sit here. (laughs) Like that's all I said. And he was just like, What? (laughs) Fortunately, nothing came of it. Another dude came out and guy got put in his place. Like, let these dumb kids go home. Yeah. Like, we weren't doing anything, didn't have anything in the car. It was nothing crazy. Just, you know, it was like 12.05 or something on the way home when he pulled us over or whatever. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about some other stuff, because there's a lot of actual magic and gaming content to really deep dive on today. All right, so there's no way you could have dodged this if you were on social media this week and play magic. But supposedly, allegedly, somebody found... Two pallets of Modern Horizons 2 boosters, cases of them that were disposed of in a landfill. And there's there's a few things here. I, I want to break down a few things to start with. First off, these are not regular boosters that were found. They were the what we call retail cartons, where they come with like the extra the what you would see hanging on a hang tag at Walmart or Target or whatever. The extra cardboard surrounding each booster pack so it makes a better display and hangs on a tag easier. But then, after it felt like two days or so of this floating around, it was also included that like, oh, and there was like a case or two or a pallet, whatever, some large amount of Magic 30 product that was also included. And I was like, okay. Well, that feels like that would have been the story people wanted to talk about. So how did that just get included after the fact? And then I started kind of looking at the pictures and like the stuff they shared of some of the cards under some rubble and this, that, and the other. I was like, well, that's just trash. Like a lot of people throw cards away. So that, whatever. But then you have that next to other pictures that basically show the cases being intact and still being sealed or whatever. So I was like, okay, well, why were some of the cards in the rubble and some of the cards still in these like sealed cases? And then also looking at the picture, oddly, those cases and the broken pallets seem to be the only thing resting on top of this giant pile of trash. Everything else looks like classic pile of trash, like a bunch of little bits that are all, you know, been turned over a couple of times sitting in a mound or whatever. A classic pile of trash. <laughs> what, well, you know what I'm saying, though. Like when you look a classic at a, pile of trash. But you know what I'm saying? When you yeah, look at a picture yeah. of a pile of trash. I just had to give you a hard time. Yeah, it almost looks like a like almost like a smooth hill, almost, with like a few little things sticking out of it, right? That everything else looked like it should have, and these are just sitting on top of it, which also a little weird, right? So the name of my cover band, classic pile of trash. You should. That'd be a good name. So I so I say that to say for me, a lot of that looks staged or made up or whatever like a lot of things on social media for social clout whatever no yeah no, like no. you know as much as we don't admit it a lot of stuff is staged that's just the no. way it is. so i'm kind of gonna put my skepticism aside for a second to say that like while i'm not 100 percent sold that that's all legitimate because and i also don't know the people involved or anybody who knows them, so I have no idea about their personal history, integrity, whatever. So I'm not going to sit here and call them a liar, any of that, because I don't know. But it is conceivable that that could happen. Because I had some people ask me, like, 
what do I think about this? Why do, do I think it's real or not? Whatever. Now, the Magic 30 part, I have a bigger problem with. Because, one, there wouldn't be that much Magic 30 product left over. And not that much in the world to begin with to where anybody outside of Wizards of the Coast would have had a significant amount of it. And Wizards of the Coast, one, because of the type of product it is, and two, because it's still recent, probably wouldn't be throwing that away right now. Right? You rotate stuff out of warehouses and you dispose of stuff or whatever, but it wouldn't make sense for that to go. Because it's too good for giveaways and future products and... You know, if you want to do some cool thing on a stream two years from now or whatever, like I can tell you, I know in the building, there are still some guru lands. For those who don't know, guru lands were part of a program like 20 years ago that if you taught people how to play and they mailed in a a postcard, they would get a booster pack and then you would get a guru land or whatever at the every quarter or whatever when they mail them out. And now guru lands go for piles of money. There's still a, I would say, equivalent of at least a long box of Guru Lands that still exist inside of Wizard of the Coast. I think there's a couple of them. But they're they're locked up with a bunch of other rare stuff or whatever. So Wizard doesn't just throw a bunch of things away, right? Anything they know they can use for future things or have good value for either rewarding people or whatever makes sense for them to hold on to. So, I, so the Magic 30 part, I feel like, is the more made-up part of the whole thing because it just doesn't line up that it would be there. Now... The Modern Horizons 2 stuff does have plausibility that it could be there. Because really, the the retail packaging can exist at a local game store level. Sometimes those become available if the distributor runs out of regular boosters or whatever and Wizards wants to move the rest of them. They will move them to distributors. Distributors will sell those to retail stores. So it happens every once in a while. But it could also have been the case of a Target, a Walmart, a Walgreens, whatever, just decided they needed to clear some space in a warehouse and got rid of it, right? It's also possible that it was a local game store that, who knows, businesses go out of business all the time for a bunch of reasons, had a landlord or bank, whatever, take over the facility and needed to clear it out so they can get new tenants. They don't know what this is. Yeah, Yeah. they've had no idea what it is. Absolutely. They just jettison it into the oblivion so they can get out of there, get somebody in the space. That's like, that's probably a good idea for like a, a career path that nobody thought of with somebody that actually goes in and as, as you're discarding stuff, appraises things and sees what it's worth. So something like this doesn't happen. Well, actually that's a thing people do for junk removal, believe it or not. Okay. I was, I was thinking somebody yeah, should be doing it. There's that. people that get paid. They will go like, say you're trying to, I don't know, let's say a relative dies, you go to the house and they've just got a bunch of stuff in their backyard and in their garage or whatever, right? You can pay one of these junk removal services. They will come and clear all that, take it to the dump, pay whatever fees, whatever, all that. And a lot of times people will tell them, like, you can just keep whatever you find or whatever. Like, they just want to get rid of it. So a lot of those people in those junk removal trades will actually go through and be like, oh, hey, I know what this type of cabinet's worth. Or, hey, oh, I know what this, this is a rare tire for this motorcycle or whatever. And this is this thing, right? So they're making a bunch of side money, sometimes worth two, three times what the job was that they got paid to do, Right? you know, for some of the stuff they were being told to throw away. So, yeah, that that definitely comes up. I, I remember talking to somebody about that. So, yeah, that that's a real thing that people do. So, yeah, like I just bring it up because like. A few people message me about it and ask me, like, well, how did this happen? Why is this a thing? Like. I'm not sure it really is a thing, <laughs> but. I think with the Modern Rides as two boosters, totally plausible that it could be a thing. Honestly, that it could be there. 
the Magic 30 stuff, I'm way more skeptical about. Like, that doesn't feel like a thing. Even, even if Wizards of the Coast was going to get rid of Magic 30 boosters, I don't feel like it would be like just to a generic landfill. I feel like they'd have been burned or buried or something or whatever somewhere else. Maybe somebody stole it and then realized they couldn't sell it to anybody and just trashed it. That's that's possible. Stuff gets stolen from corporate warehouses all the time. Because I've heard a lot, a lot of stories where somebody steals something and just assumes because they all they know about crime is what they learned from watching, you know, Ocean's Eleven. Like, okay, I got this incredibly valuable thing with, with yeah, Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, like, everybody's looking for it. Do you specifically know offense that deals and that kind of stuff? Well, no. You can't take it to a pawn shop or the extremely stolen. Everybody would know it's extremely or in the case of some like magic, you couldn't take magic cards to a pawn shop because nobody at a pawn shop will know what they are. Yeah, magic 30 would get you dead in a heartbeat. Like you get right. arrested. Like people would know it was stolen. Yeah. Because it you'd be the only one with like multiple significant quantities of it. Like right. when I when I was when I was moving to Texas, I tried to pawn my Sega Dreamcast, and we were both stupid. Me for trying to pawn it, and the pawn shop didn't know what it was because the Dreamcast failed, so they wouldn't buy it. There you go. <laughs> we were, but they, they'd have been able to sell it for way more than what they paid me for because I was trying to move, and, and again, I was a dummy for trying to sell it to them for thirty or forty dollars. Yeah, so that stuff type of stuff happens a lot. So it, it's it's tough. You know, it, I will also say, though, there's a lot of stuff that gets stolen from corporate warehouses regularly. Um, and this part, I'm going to word very carefully so I don't incriminate anybody or whatever. But I can tell you that even with the stories you hear about online where somebody had a press sheet of cards or something that was made public or whatever, there's others that you never hear about that get dealt with as well. I mean, there is a lot, and I and it, not just at Wizards. I've heard about this from other places as well, from people who work some of those jobs. You know, like in in Waco, there was people that, you know, there was a guy who got fired from, I believe it was the Eminem Mars factory there. Which, by the way, did you know that something like I think it's ninety percent of all Starbursts are produced in Waco, Texas? I did not know that. Yeah, but at their factory, they also do other things, not just candies, because Eminem Mars is like all the other food companies and own a billion things. And there was like a contest. I think it was with Uncle Ben's Rice. I'm not sure if that's actually correct, but one of those brands. And the codes were being printed, I guess, on the inside of the packaging or something or whatever. And somebody decided they wanted to take a couple of them out of the building. <laughs> and insta-fired because they were tracked. Yeah. There was cameras. And like yeah. the minute they realized inventory didn't match, went and checked it out, lost a job. Right. That happens all the time. So mm-hmm. would not surprise me if product walked out of a facility at some There's point. There's so much crime that, that we don't find out about because you know, I've had multiple people that work in various uh, ranks of law enforcement tell me that if people knew how many times the, the government or local police or somebody caught somebody trying to build a bomb or do a terrorist thing nobody would not to, although if you feel safe in america now i don't know what to tell you but yeah you really wouldn't feel safe you know how many times they catch some somebody tries to build a bomb and then they end up buying parts from an undercover fbi agent you'd be oh dude i i tell people this all the time like we we catch criminals because they're either greedy or bad Right. I honestly and I'm one of those believers. Maybe it's this is my conspiracy theory, but like 
I believe there are very good high-level criminals in the world that we will never catch because they're not greedy enough. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, there's there's probably some man or woman somewhere that is, like, an art thief that sells stuff on the black market. They probably have a bunch of friends or people or networks that they've somehow infiltrated for these different museum systems. And, you know, stuff gets buried in the back of museums that people don't see for five years at a time or whatever. Right. So they probably just take one piece, realizing nobody's going to even know what's missing for at least a year. You know, like they've already sold it and whatever, probably got who knows some number of hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not a million dollars. And then they're good for a few years. Like they're not greedy enough to where we're ever going to catch them. Like we talked about your story earlier, I won't say any names, but I heard of somebody uh, along my uh, along my police reporting trials that figured out what the, or I guess research, or how, I don't know how they found out, but they found the number, the, the amount of stuff you can steal from a particular company where they won't even press charges because mm-hmm. going to court will cost them more than the amount you stole. And yeah. Yep. And, and just stole under that amount. And <laughs> They obviously can't can't work in you know the industry they ever worked they, they worked in ever again, but they got a nice little nest egg, I guess, for whatever yep. their next crime was going to be. There you go, right? Or somebody who randomly robs a bank one time, never does it again, gets away with it, right? Like right. we're probably never going to catch that person. Yeah, because most people do it. You know, they they get they, they get addicted to the quick cash and they try to do it thirty two times, and eventually you'll always get caught. One the of the more- things. We talked about it in my store was that don't feel bad if you catch somebody who's stealing because that's probably not their first time. Right. It, it, it could be. But the reality is you often aren't going to catch somebody the first time because honestly, the like first if time, they're really time, bad. If they're really stupid, then yeah, it yeah. might be their first. If they do something just completely. Bruh, but honestly, <laughs> people have stolen on accident. Right. Also true. Because, you know, just have something in their hand while they're talking on the phone or whatever. And they're like, oh, crap, I didn't pay for this. But then it's like, oh. I just walked out with a thing. Or especially you know, now in the uh, the uh, you know since we're in the era of checking yourself out. It's, yes. But and then, again, Walmart knows you know how much you would need to walk out of there with before it even be worth them a multi billion dollar corporation taking you to court over you know some onions or something. Oh man, side conversation. But have you been into an Amazon Go or Amazon Fresh store? Oh, I I must not have. Dude, their just walkout technology is awesome. Oh, I can imagine. Like you walk in and they have three ways you can sign in. So you can either uh, use your debit card. Okay. I believe there's there's something else. Like you can you can scan a thing. Oh, I think if you have an actual card for that place where you can scan yeah. a scan a card. Uh Sam's does that too now. I just found that out okay. with uh, <laughs> yeah. with my wife, the queen of grocery hauls. Or creepy one, apparently you can scan your fingerprint or handprint. I didn't know that was a thing, but I, I'm definitely not going to do that for Amazon anytime soon. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's a little yeah. yeah. So like you can do one of those three things. But anyway, you go in and then you literally just shop. Like, you pick up your stuff, you put it in your basket. Whatever. You don't even need a basket. You can just carry your stuff around. And honestly, and here's where it got me. It even knew that I got a pastry. Because I got an apple fritter out of the thing. And those don't have anything in them. They don't have barcodes. But they still knew. They still knew. It was awesome. You but work then with we, Twitch. Amazon's already got your fingerprint. Well, they probably <laughs> do. Probably some level. kind of way. But what's cool is when you walk out. You just scan your stuff again or run your card or whatever, and it's just like, cool. It just knows what you're carrying around to walk out, and that's it. 
and you don't have to deal with anybody. Like, it's crazy convenient. And I, what's cool is I saw that being used at airports, at two different airports when I was last traveling, going to and back from Philly. They call it Amazon Just Walk Out technology. And same thing. You would go shop, and you just scan yourself and scan out. And there's just some person waiting on the outside just to make sure, I guess, nobody's hopping the turnstile or anything. Yeah. But that's literally it. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's a real neat thing if you haven't done it, especially if you have, like, social anxieties or whatever. It's got to be awesome because you ain't got to wait in line. You ain't got to, like, deal with a cashier. You, you're just in and out. It's cool. Social anxiety or now if you just don't want a bunch of people to breathe the same air you're breathing. It's just, yep. You got a COVID anxiety at this point. Uh, a couple other things to touch on magic-wise. Command Fest are coming back on April 14 to 16. They will be in four different cities, Richmond, Indianapolis, Orlando, and Seattle. And kind of cool. I know some people were like, when are one of these coming near my city? But honestly, I think the difference was, I think last year when we did those, we still weren't really in full convention mode yet. So they spread them out. I think they happened over the course of like two months, like at like nine weeks or something. And they were in more cities. I think there was like 10 of them or whatever. But I think the difference now is we have all the Command Fest. We also have all the Magic Cons that are going on. Like, we also have the Dream Hack things that are happening. Right? It's just like we have more events just happening in more cities now throughout the year. Because even just Dream Hack alone, you get like Atlanta, Dallas, San Diego, I think. And then we already did, just came off of Vegas and Philly. We're going to have Minneapolis. And then there's another uh, magic con somewhere in the u.s so that's a lot of weekends for a lot of events already spread across the country but cool that magic or command fest are still a thing uh, i will be in the at the orlando event so if anybody wants to come see me say hi grab a drink maybe even a meal i don't know come say hello and we also finally found out what is going on with the hot pockets promotion for magic which is a weird thing to say but <laughs> great hey, you know what? I'm into it. I think we should be marketing well, yeah, magic on more things. So I, I don't hate it. I eat Hot Pockets. I'm not ashamed to say it. Maybe mildly ashamed. Yeah, there's a lot of things I eat that I'm like, I know aren't healthy, but I still eat them. <laughs> but yeah, so Hot Pockets, they come in four different flavors with four different packaging. So you have green ones that are ham and cheddar with Vivian. You have red ones that are pepperoni with Chandra. Blue ones with Jace, obviously, that are Philly cheesesteak. And white ones that have meatball and mozzarella with Gideon. And the selection was a little weird. One, that there's no black one, but I get it. Uh, the thing, though, I would say is I think this is related or was possibly going to be related to the Netflix release. Which is why Gideon is still part of the mix. I was going to say, like, I thought he was dead. Not, of course, it's obviously Magic the Gathering. Anytime they want want Gideon to not be dead that's the thing they can fix but as of right now dead yeah and I because I felt like we had heard the first script or two they had were focused on Gideon and I would think you wanted to get ahead of it start finding brand partners so when it goes live you have kind of your brand on six seven different things where people are going to see it you could talk about it whatever and once that kind of got canceled and they started looking for another script writer you kind of get in that weird, and this is all assumption. I don't know this to be fact, but I could see a situation where your brand partner, in this case, Hot Pockets, has gotten far enough along, or I guess Nestle, technically, they own Hot Pockets, got far enough along. Oh, God, so technically, I shouldn't be, I really, like, morally shouldn't be eating Hot Pockets in addition to my uh, Dude, Nestle owns so much stuff. Like, it's, it's know, hard it's... to shop sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
but but I could see a situation where they kind of go like, look, we already paid you the licensing fee. We already waited at that point, probably like a year and a half, two years from the time, a year and a half, probably at least from when they signed the agreement. Like we've already done the packaging. We've already got the artwork together. We've already done all this. Like we're just going to put these out. Like y'all still get some promotion. You'll still get your percentage of the sales or whatever it is. We're just going to do it. You know, and the cool part is they have codes for Magic Arena. So you can get Hot Pockets and then you get something for free on Arena. And they said it could be a lot of different stuff. It sounds like it could be cosmetics. It could be card backs. It could be avatars. It could be gems. So like a little bit of everything is just going to be on these codes. Don't know the rarity. Don't know. Hell, I don't know if like all the Jace packages have gems and all the like. Nobody knows anything yet. Other than that, they exist. But it's something to keep your eye out for out in the world. Uh, also, there's a thing that Hasbro does, or a hat does, that they own called The Pulse uh, Online. It's a website where they make rare items available. Think like Secret Layer, but for all the Hasbro properties. Like, anything can pop up there. We've had magic stuff there in the past. I believe there's been a My Little Pony thing. Uh, I think I bought my woman a battery i guess you call them a battery pack or like the battery chargers but it transforms into a robot like that was a cool thing i got yeah, through there cool. there was a huge oversized like job of the hut ship that was available through there like three years ago i think so all kinds of things can pop up on the pulse so if you don't know about it it's probably worth bookmarking and just checking periodically so because some cool things come through there but there's a neat thing called a diceling which is a 20-sided die that transforms into something which is kind of a cool crossover for the different brands, obviously, that Wizards of the Coast and, and Hasbro own. But in this case, they have a rare white dragon one that's going to be available. And the thing that got me is that it's actually not that expensive. I expected it to be so much more, but I think it's like 16 bucks. A lot of stuff that comes through there kind of has like the rare collectible price tag on it. And this one really didn't. And I was kind of surprised by that. It's not even that much. It's $13.99. Well, I guess after shipping, you'll be around 16 or 18 bucks. But yeah, just really surprised me. So they're on pre-order now. If you want to get an item there that probably stands to have some collectability and isn't very expensive. And I don't even know how many people, even D&D players, know that this is going to be in existence there because there are people that collect the Dicelings. So yeah, something that uh, you just get a little notice about there if you didn't know it was a thing. And then our serious bit of news to talk about here. Uh, this was... From an event called the Mox Masters, I believe it was. And uh, this is a little tough because there were two player incidences, which is yeah. kind of a rare. You don't really have that happen at too many events. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw something where they had like two <laughs> kind of huge things with, with player behavior. Yeah, if you guess, have, well, like, well, you, you can you can kind of set it up because it, it's, it's weird. Yeah, if you don't have any, if you have anything, it's usually one big player incident. You might have a couple people get DQ'd for some stuff or whatever, but. Not on this level. So we have one player who basically walked through the event being an, a jerk all day. Uh, supposedly making people uncomfortable, misgendering trans folks, uh, using some, from the way it was described, anti-gay language <laughs> is a, the way to put it. Uh, and just, just being an all-around jerk for the most part. So not a surprise that that player ended up getting banned or whatever, right? That, that's that's somebody we don't want around, we don't want in our communities. Like, jettison them to the sun. And apparently, and, they tried and to kudos. make social posts to defend themselves. Yeah. 
But definitely kudos to uh, Eminence Events for for quickly saying, "Hey, we this is not so this is not something we support." They said that apparently intentional misgendering of an opponent is an unsporting conduct, major violation that starts with starts with a match loss. So they ain't playing around. <laughs> starts with a match loss and said very easily upgradable to an instant DQ from a tournament. So they would have, I guess, done it that that day had they heard about it before the tournament concluded. Yeah, and I and I want to also include that, like, if you don't have trans people in your life, it can be a little bit difficult to remember sometimes what somebody's pronouns are or whatever. But there's a difference between just slipping up and apologizing or whatever and just overtly, directly making sure you're using the wrong pronoun. Because, yeah, whatever you think about, like, okay, whatever you may feel about transgender people, just, like, take, just for example, let's say somebody's somebody says, you know, their name is Robert when they treat themselves, but they prefer to go by Bobby. You'd call them Bobby, wouldn't you? You'd be kind of an a-hole if Bruh. you consistently referred to them as Robert when they've told you that's not how they would like. Dude, whether you <laughs> true story. At Regionals 97, I go look at the pairings. And across from my, my name is a player named Hatter, comma, The Mad. And okay. I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> right? right? <laughs> so I go sit down. He shows up. And by the way, still friends with this guy to this day. Just a nice dude. At one point, I believe he owned 2% of the print run of Quorum Trench Gnomes, by the way. So he probably has way more than that by now. <laughs> but quirky dude, obviously. But he sits down. I'm like. What was your name again? Because I'm like making sure I got the right dude. Right? I was like, right. oh yeah, they, they call me Hatter or whatever. I was like, uh, okay, so but what's your name? And he's like, no, it's actually the Mad Hatter. And I'll be damned if you didn't show me ID that said Hatter the Mad. Wow. Like the That's... dude had his name legally changed. Well, yeah. I mean, it And I was just legal. like, all right. So while we play it, I just called him Hatter. Yeah, and that's yeah, what that's, apparently everybody does. That's how I knew him for years. Like, yeah. and you know, he 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 had different points where he went back to his original name because you know he was seeing somebody, and you know there, there's a whole story there. But right, because <laughs> I, I can't imagine being convinced my wife to call me. The yeah, Mad like there there was a whole thing, but I my understanding is he eventually went back to being called the Mad Hatter again, and you know, so if everybody else is doing it, you know, it's just you that's that's their identity. But even point. and to me that is way weirder than somebody who maybe formerly went by i don't know mark yeah, but now wants yeah. to be called marcy or something right like that's yeah, that's not that difficult like in any other situation in life you you would probably call the person what they told you they prefer to be called yeah it'd be again you'd be you'd absolutely in terms of red letters you'd be the a-hole if you refer to them as anything else Yet, for some reason, when they're discussing someone transgender, it's like, for some people, it's just a huge, it's a big deal, it's a trigger, it's, oh my god, I just can't understand how that works, I can't figure out how to do it, like, girl, And, and here's the thing, here's the thing, right, you are not going to agree with probably a lot of what a lot of your opponents do, and how they live their life, and sometimes a large chunk of the time you're not even going to know that just because whatever that thing is just isn't something that's overt and on their sleeve so at least extend that courtesy to all of your opponents because hell 
I know I've had opponents where I definitely did not agree with a lot of what they thought or whatever, but they hadn't done anything outwardly egregious that I could hold it against them. So I'm just like, okay, cool. You have whatever views you have. We're here to play a game. Let's just play the game. And I give them the same respect I would give anybody else. You know, and I think that's not that much to ask. Right. That's the way, you know, that's the way rational adults handle things. For sure. For sure. So that person getting booted. And again, they were on social media basically making their own situation worse. So whatever. All the, yeah, that's not the person I am. And I, yeah. it's a one time thing. And multiple people should be like, no, this is a pattern. Of yeah, things. see, that, that's where you screw up. When, if it is legit a one time thing, cool. But when you say that and immediately there's a whole string of folks that are like, nah, right. bro, you like, did the no, same thing to me. No. Right. Like, you know, you done messed up. Yeah. <laughs> That's the good and bad of social media. Like we talked about everything you have ever said or done stupid. Dude, I tell people all the time, like I am a very outward, open, forward person, but I have already made my peace with the fact of I am willing to go down the ship on everything I say publicly. Yeah. Right. Like I am not putting anything out there that I'm not going to go. Yep. That was me. Even if it's a dumb decision, at least being able to say like, yeah, I did it. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm I'm willing to just go down with it, right? I'm right because a lot of the dumb stuff I've thought is in print, so yeah, I, guess, I can't say I didn't say it. You know, so like when it. I see all these people saying and doing that, it's like, bro, just own it, just take the yeah. L, apologize, and move on. Like, you're just gonna make it worse. You're just gonna I'm also happy to happily tell you, like, hey, I was wrong about that person, that politician, that whatever I was writing about that day. You know, that Hell, absolutely happens. In the history of this podcast, I think I've had to call myself out at least three times, and another time preemptively call myself right? out. Like, <laughs> so yeah, like, one of those guarantees. Like, if you talk and or write for a living, you're gonna write or say something that later is proven to be incorrect. Yeah, or you're just gonna mess up, spell something wrong, pronounce it deuce, something that was turns out to be incorrect. Yeah, just at that point, own it. You know. Yeah, if you're being active and taking chances, like you're just gonna stumble sometimes, but just own it. Say like, yeah, I screwed up. I shouldn't have said this, or I should have researched something, or I was in too much of a hurry, or whatever it was, and don't do it again. You know, that's it. But anyway, this person out. Second issue. This one gets a little, little, at some points murkier till you find out more about the person's history. But a person that goes by Bad Dog online, which... Hey, they've already right. kind of told you. Yeah, yeah that, that already doesn't help your case. But your gamer tag is your personality type. <laughs> yeah, but I believe the person's name was Jacob Limmer. And he has a history prior to the event of apparently just being a jerk to the point that in multiple commander circles, he has been excommunicated, it sounds like. So he kind of came in with a long trail of history that was already problematic. A bunch of people didn't like this person and I guess left the event, just didn't want to participate if they were participating. Like that level of dislike for this person. And that was already being brought up of like, hey, y'all, why'd y'all let this person play in your event? You know, like he already has his history, should have just been banned. And and that's where it's a little tough for me sometimes because I do believe in some level of redemption, right? You can screw up, you can have bad history, but like we got to give people a chance to redeem themselves. That said, 
it does sound like this person's history is still very recent. Yeah. <laughs> so he has not earned his redemption time yet. And uh, yeah, to the point that from what you were telling me, he apparently won the event. Yeah. <laughs> so that so made people you know, more uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's uh, so now people are uncomfortable for all that they were allowed to play. They are, uh, won the thing. And now I guess that's when has I guess basically been invalidated. So that upset people because like, hey, if you do, he was if he was a bad person before that. Why'd you let him play? And I, I guess they probably didn't know all the history or again, like uh, the, the other incident they mentioned, had they known beforehand that they addressed it, but they didn't. And so it, it has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way that somebody won the tournament and then they're saying, oh, well, no, it didn't happen because this person has a problematic history. So it's. Yeah. And that that's where it gets a little tough, right? Because, again, this is kind of like you decided to let him play. Now you just got to own it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It Now. I haven't seen where anybody said he did anything outwardly negative in the event. Yeah, according to, I guess, the, the investigation they ran, that uh, after the event, he didn't do anything inappropriate on that particular day. But yeah, again, so many, so many people were just uncomfortable that he was even there that they decided to leave. And that was the part where they said, well, you know, that's not really acceptable to us, obviously. that We don't want people coming here that are, just, just actively making other people leave just by their presence. That's well, because you started affecting their pocketbook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is a thing. But this is what I hate because I feel like I almost get caught in a situation of trying to defend the bad guy, right? Because this person who has a bad history, has been a jerk, whatever, got to play in the event. Which I don't know if he should have even been allowed to or whatever, because obviously made a bunch of people uncomfortable, so that's whatever. And they have said that he won't be allowed to play in or attend any future events. At yeah, but if you've already made the decision to allow this person to play, and then they even go as far as winning it, and then you're like, hey, look, I know you didn't do anything wrong in our event or whatever that we we allowed you to play in, but like, ah, we're, we're just going to invalidate your win and your prizes. That feels kind of effed up for that person. Like and, and and it sucks because like it's a bad person, <laughs> so you shouldn't be allowed to play in the first place. But if you're gonna allow them to play, it's kind of like a bad precedent to just say that like, well, even though you didn't do anything, we just decided you shouldn't have won, right? So now now it's just like, why am I in a position where I feel like I got to defend a bad guy now? I feel like they screwed uh, up. Another unfortunate effect of the whole thing is that multiple people like as on the kind of the uh, social media threads or these press releases and these events are being discussed that the, one of the worst parts of this is you can't even find out who actually won the event because if you search for this tournament, all you see is these everything is about these two incidents that happened. Well, yeah, that's definitely going to dominate the news for yeah. sure. And and again, I yeah, as a reporter, I completely understand why that dominates the news. And this comes back yeah. to why people push so hard to regulate things, treat their PR a certain way or whatever, because in social media, it's very easy for something like this to happen. So like anything you did right for the event, any cool stuff you had, any guest you brought in, whatever, nobody's going to know about any of that. Because right. when they search a future event and they look up your company name or event name or whatever, these are going to be the first two stories they talk about. And that sucks for everybody involved. Because I'd imagine the company, the judges, probably the people, the scorekeepers, whatever, probably all really good people. Yeah. But on some level, because these two knuckleheads were involved and participated, that's going to dominate 
their social feed, hell, probably gonna their Google searches for the next like 48 months or so. <laughs> right? It's it's gonna be a thing. You're not gonna be able to dodge those stories. So so it's tough. It's tough. But it's stuff that people should know about. I will say credit to Eminence Gaming. They took about three, four days, processed everything, talked to a bunch of people, came out with their statements online. Uh, people were a little bothered because they blocked some folks initially on, on Twitter. But I and they immediately once they put out their statements, they went back and unblocked all the folks. But I I think part of that might have been just to regulate their Twitter feeds a little bit, too. Yeah. And I mean, you're in the middle of an investigation, so you can't you the, the, you got to figure out what information is relevant to the investigation and kind of what's just noise. Yeah. There's also point. some people, though, that like they'll just post and post and post and post and yeah. like keep needling you and asking questions. It's just like, bro, I've had enough out of you right now. I got stuff going on, you know? Right. So would not surprise me if that was part of it. So I think, I don't know if you necessarily had to ban all those people, but outside of that, I think they handled it mostly. Okay. Like if I were, if I were giving them a grade on the whole situation, because there was two incidents or whatever, I'd give them like a 7.5, right? The, the whole thing of letting the bad actor play in the first place and then rescinding the prizes where it's just kind of weird. Yeah. So I, I don't really get that whole thing. Cause you could have just as well said like, yeah, you're right. Since we already let him play, he won the event. We know it kind of puts a stain on things, but we're just not going to let him play in future events. That's yeah, that's fine. probably how I would have handled it. Yeah, like we made a bad decision. We decided to let him play. Won't happen again. He's no longer allowed to play in our other events. Or no. not even necessarily bad, just an uninformed decision. Yeah, we exactly. Just didn't know who this guy was. That would have been totally fine too. Probably not uncommon for, <laughs> with, with them say there's, I don't know how many people were there. I'm going to guess probably several hundred people. Like it's even we, you know, talk about this for, for a living. We don't know everybody. It's virtually impossible oh, to sure. know every player, every content creator. Just I, I only know this person from, you know, reading about him. if Jacob bad dog learner walked up to me right now, I wouldn't know who he was. Yeah. that That's the thing. Right. So I, I, that's the only reason, like I said, I'm giving it lower marks. It was like just the way the the delivery and the handling of it at the very end was not great, but I do think intentional. Their intentions are very good. The way they worded it was legit. They assume the blame for things. They have a plan moving forward. So like you know, and it, people run some events. They make some mistakes. Like I went through phases where there's things we had to learn to do better or whatever. So like it's all good. But just figured it's something the community needed to be informed about. But that brings us to a very kind of chill discussion here for the dinner table. And one of the things that's come up a couple of times that I thought I would ask you, Brian, is when would you say, like, you caught the bug for gaming and collectibles? Like, when did you know, like, this was going to be a thing I'm going to be doing for a while? I don't know, it's almost, you know, infancy. I mean, we had, like, we started with the, the television. So we always, there was always some kind of a game console or whatever the most popular games console was, was, was in our house. That started when I was, again, a little, little tiny baby. So we're talking about what really had I probably was two or three years old at that point. Really. You're talking about going through like the Atari, the ColecoVision. Yeah, we had a know, like- all of those, all of those things. Yeah. 
I guess it goes in stages. Like really in television was probably the thing that got me hooked on video games. And I would say probably the nerdiest thing I played on the Intellivision, there was a game called Sea Battle. And it it really it was naval warfare. And yeah, again, um, I don't know, nine or ten years old at this point, learning between a PT boat, a destroyer, you know, all, all yeah, the again for sure. Super nerdy type stuff. To where I would talk to friends and be like, hey, y'all hadn't played Sea Battle look. No, you you start raving. What even is that, you nerd? <laughs> so that was the, definitely one stage. And then I think the thing that got me hooked on card games was, well, you know, Marvel did one, and I was already. I guess I got. I was. I forgot. I got at the comic book stage because I was into comic books before I was into card games. So I got into a card game called Overpower because it was a Marvel comics based card game. And same thing. As soon as I could. As soon as I could, as soon as I was able to read, which and I was, you know, and to brag a little bit, humble brag, I was kind of a child prodigy, so I was reading, you know, at what two years old, basically. So yeah, I was on comic books and anything sci-fi or superhero related from that point on. So yeah, that was when the comic book thing started. So that uh, and I want to say Overpower was mid '90s. I think I was in college. So that was really the first. I kind of just well, that's really when CCGs were getting started because I'm old. Yeah, (laughs) the only thing, the only two card games I knew about was Magic, obviously Magic, which I hadn't started playing yet. And then there was I found out about Overpower, and then I jumped into that and got hooked on card games. Overpower obviously didn't last. Marvel has Marvel and DC both have had a hard time having a card game that lasts for more than a couple of years, which definitely is an an extreme source of frustration for me, to put it mildly. Yeah, I guess um, that's interesting, you know, because I hadn't really thought about it in phases. Because, I don't know, I guess, like, I know I liked games. I know I played video games for a long time. It was like a big deal when I got a Nintendo. Oh, yeah, you know, that, that was, definitely that was, was. That was huge. Like that, Nintendo felt like where the world real, because, you know, the Atari came out, then there was a huge video game crash. After Atari crashed, it was like, yeah, it's just a fan. It, it ran out. Then Nintendo came out like, no. This oh, is dude, legit. like I remember, <laughs> you know? like I almost never got like the expensive Christmas present. And man, we got a Nintendo. It was like, yeah. you, we might as well just hit the lottery. Like, you know, oh, yeah. I, mean? that's my, <laughs> I was that's my favorite crew present of all time was the Nintendo in 1985. Yeah, I had to, and we got we had a couple of games, one of which was Dragon Warrior. Yeah. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. Which ended up being like at the time, it was a little bit hard to figure out because it wasn't like a yeah. normal game. But like once Definitely I got into not. it, it was cool. Yeah. But after that, you're a power dragon. So clearly it had an impact. Of course you. it did. Right. Like, no, I and it's an interesting thing because I don't think i really even then was like oh i'm gonna do video games forever it was like this is just really cool yeah back then we didn't know you know most people still thought especially most adults thought this is a fad you know it's gonna go away in a year or two for sure we had no way of knowing that this would be a whole job one day well not just that imagine being a parent where you're like i'm gonna buy i guess at the time like 80 dollar thing or whatever right and like they're not even gonna mess with this in a year, right? You know what I mean? Like you and yep. and the games were like twenty, twenty-five dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ah, why am I why am I spending all this money? Like, I totally get why my family resisted that for so long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, turns out we got way too much use out of it. And there was a point where we're like, I'm gonna turn this damn game off if y'all don't go do something else. You know? Right. <laughs> Time to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? For real. 
but I but that even became a good thing for our parents because they they ain't had to beat us. They knew what it. No video games. Oh my god, we'll do whatever you say oh, <laughs> rather dude, than you take like, our video game. For console. people who don't know, like you went through the phase where your parents would try to take the controllers away, and we got savvy and we borrow controllers from friends. Like <laughs> like there was all kinds of stuff that went down with those. But and, uh, it's just I, I shudder to think what I as a kid who would have done to keep my Nintendo. I'd probably man. Shoot, I don't even know. Don't even know. If if you'd have given me the choice, like, hey, you know, like, I, I I could have dinner <laughs> or play Super Mario Brothers. I guess I'm going with Super Mario Brothers. I'll sneak yeah, a cracker exactly. or something if I can. I, I will say this though. I I think I just went through a large phase of interesting, fun, like collectible stuff. Cause I did like sports cards and comic books and you had the yeah. video games. I, yeah, I do sports cards too still. I, and yeah, started very early. Yeah. Did some D and D stuff. Like it was like that mindset had always been there, but I don't think it clicked as a thing that I could just do for a long time or that it was going to be my social catalyst or whatever until probably I feel like it was, there was a moment where I was sitting around in high school, you know, we'd done like the D&D thing at lunch in junior high or whatever, but like really sitting around with friends and going like, dude, we we used to meet up. There was like a local pizza hut. Like a couple times a week, we'd get together, go hang out there, split a pizza or whatever. There'd be eight or ten of us just sitting around playing magic or whatever. And I started thinking like, I don't know the legs that this has. Right. Because right. Now, from that point, if somebody told me it'd be 28 years later. We'd still be playing right. it like no yeah, way. Yeah, I wouldn't. Right? I do. There's. I always joke with my friends about how you know if we could go back in time and tell uh, <laughs> tell young Brian that man Green Arrow's gonna have his own TV show. Stop lying. Yeah, right. Just you could have picked any other hero, and I'm like, ain't gonna be no Green Arrow TV show. I'm proud to. A, no, stop lying. Hell, Ant-Man got a whole movie series, so, you know. Again, there's, there's no way 10-year-old <laughs> Brian, well, ain't gonna be no Ant-Man movie. Stop it. But, Just three, let alone three of them? Yeah, A whole exactly. Ant-Man trilogy? There's no way. Quit I, I will say this, though, right? I, I feel like even then, though, I knew it was more than a fad. Like, I didn't know how big, but and definitely nowhere near what it is now. But yeah. I was like, you know what? Even if this is just, like, five years. Right. That's cool, right? This would be something I could do. Maybe I'll buy, sell, trade some of the cards, try to build a collection of some things. You know, and then it was like, okay, I went off to college, met some other players. I started doing some tournaments. And it's like, you know, this might be bigger. You know, and I think between those two moments of realization of just like, this is bringing a lot of people together from a lot Mm -hmm. of places with a lot of languages. And it's just like, okay, this could just be a thing that becomes its own market. And I remember talking to people, even, you know, this would have been 96. And people were like, I don't know, man. And I'm like, I, I was the opposite. I was just convinced that Overpower is going to go forever. It's a Marvel <laughs> card game. How could, and then DC joined. We're like, oh, we got Marvel and Superman can fight Captain America now. There's no way this will ever go away. <laughs> oh, and was it, the wasn't the battle mechanic and Overpower just like a complicated version of war? If I remember right. It was too complicated. You could, you know, you could basically bet. I think you had seven mission cards that you could bet 
mission cards, depending on how how confident you were, you were going to win this hand per se. Yeah, it was something like that. Like, it, so yeah, I will I say though, admit, it they, was needlessly. They complex. did choose beautiful artwork for that game. They did. They did. Like the the piece. If y'all can ever find, it, if you just like collecting the old Marvel cards or whatever, Overpower had some pretty sweet art. I think that that's now, one of the reasons. I'll it. admit, I, I've never played War, so like what? It, uh, it's like it was like card flipping and comparing numbers and you know okay. like that sort of thing. But yeah, like. It, that's I, the thing that the thing that I and this might be something they stole from the game because I this was my first game I didn't know they had like where you could there there were two ways to to knock out a character because you know it's combos knocked out not dead yeah you could do twenty damage or you could do what was called a spectrum KO where you could hit them with the three different types of attacks if they, if you took an energy attack a fighting attack and a strength attack, even if they were only accounted to three damage you were you were out. Oh, so I don't remember that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that might have been somebody else's mechanic, but that was the first time I had ever encountered it. Neat. But, you know, I, I think, I guess to answer the question for people is, like, there's not, I don't, I think people always think, like, okay, you get into a career on something, like, how did you know this is what you wanted to do? You know, I don't know if it's like that for everybody. You know, Definitely not. I think for a lot of people, at least what I've met in my adult life, a large percentage of people are doing a job that doesn't match their college degree even. And so many, especially as technology advances, there are jobs that didn't exist when we first started school. Also true. Very true. So I couldn't have said on career day, I wanted to be a YouTuber because YouTube didn't exist yet. Yeah. It wasn't even an idea. Yeah. So it just, (laughs) So yeah, it's, they talk it's about you know career. What you said at career day, like I don't even think I knew what. I, other than like you know, I knew I wanted to be you know, obviously talking and telling jokes, but yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, I'd not be doing it on YouTube because YouTube wasn't a thing. I figured I'd be you know, and I do sometimes go to nightclubs and you know do theater and that kind of stuff. But no, I had no idea for all the other other things I would use my talents for. Like uh, when I went to college. I ended up majoring in journalism because my mom wanted me to be an English teacher and I knew I didn't want to major in English. And I felt like the only thing you could do with an English major was be an English teacher. Yep. So Teach I picked English. something. Yeah. So I figured, hey, I want, I enjoy writing, but let me, what else can I do with that? Oh, journalism. Okay. Let me try that. And yeah. Yeah. I, I eventually went off to school just one, just to get out of my house and get away. But <laughs> right. That's I also mean, a thing. But it was for commercial art and advertising and I already knew I was decent at art. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just learn the technical part of this stuff. And at least I can start getting paid, you know, and then opportunity came up to run a store and work in the industry. And I just did, you know, and I was like, okay, well, I'm good at that. This is cool. And then just was able to just keep rolling that to the next opportunity and the next opportunity and whatever. And now I'm doing stuff, but it's kind of like I got here because of just a culmination of 50 other things. Right. You know, but I don't know if I would have started here with, but it having all those other experiences allowed me to get here. Started from the bottom. Now we are. Yeah, basically <laughs> it. You know, but on that note, why don't we wrap things up and you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alex Ever After. You can uh, read my writings about all these comics I just talked about 
over at Tilt Magazine and GoombaStomp.com. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most socials. And I'm going to be, like I mentioned earlier, at Command Fest Orlando in April. I will be down in Texas in the Dallas area for the Hunter Burt Memorial Open in March. Uh, so that should be pretty cool. So yeah, keep an eye out. I'll probably be in your area soon. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourselves and your family, and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 